It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Another song about goodness and life and all the things we enjoy. From Merle. <laughs> We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Delighted to be joined. We did this a year ago. And we're just thrilled to have him in again. Daniel Nugent Bowman joining us from The Athletic. How are you? Good, Alan. Different digs this time. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, I wanted to be closer to the Lego store, and they got me <laughs> not far away, so it's all good. What's your favorite Lego set? Uh, I, th- my son had this when I can't remember how old he was. I bought it. it was, it's, a, it's a helicopter and a helicopter pad, a helo pad. Real nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I was never really into Lego only because I was so into sports. And my brother was into Lego, and we have to be different all the time. So, right. like, my brother would get the Lego set for for Christmases or birthdays or whatever, and my dad would help him, and I'd I'd go and you know get my hockey stick and go in the in the driveway or whatever. So, not go. that I didn't like Lego, but I it's have to be different, you know. Well, I'm old enough to know that what Lego for me was uh, 400 bricks and 12 <laughs> white windows, and that's what maybe a door if you were lucky. Oh, that's what you had. Old school. Yeah. Uh, so. You're here, obviously, to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Not you, Lego. <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you covered them now? This is my sixth season. Yeah, so my first year was the uh, McClellan firing, Shirelli firing, right. Bizarro year, and it kind of seems like we're <laughs> we made a, it's made a full, day. Yeah, a full so 360 here. I promised myself I would ask this question at the start. What the hell happened? Because you know, I I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. So did I, and. It it feels like they're the gang that can't shoot straight, and there's there's I know there's been injuries, and I know that the goaltending's been a little bit, you know, it's been a lot rocky, but holy hell, Daniel, it's like Murphy's Law, right? Like yeah. everything that could possibly go wrong has, and I mean, starting from the very top, the most unexpected thing is the play of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Now I know with with McDavid, he missed a couple of games due to injury, and. You know, I had a chance to talk to him on the road trip uh, in Seattle, I think, on the off day, if I'm remembering correctly. And, you know, he says he's he's excellent, he's healthy, but it doesn't look that way, Don't, right? He's, like, not, he's that, shooting as well and stick handling, yeah, but not quite there. A lot of games, it seems like he's really going to start, and then it, it just kind of tapers off as the game goes along. You know, on-ice shooting percentage for not only for McDavid dry settle, but for the team is, is incredibly low. I mean, up until the last little bit, I don't think anyone was really going, and then now Evander Kane, I think, has picked it up. No. But man, I, I got it, it's so baffling. You know, you look at this team, and you think you got they had going into the year they had a top six as good, if not better, than anyone in the league. You know, I, I really like that third line how they played in the playoffs with yeah. uh, anchored uh, by McLeod and Fogel, and any knew Dylan Holloway was going to get some time there, and and Derek Ryan could could pinch in when he had to, and now he obviously is with um with Holloway out, but. I I really like that top 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 nine top six top nine. The fourth line was always going to be a bit of a concern. Uh, there's no center to start the year, of course, and um, you know Matthias Janmark I think could be a good penalty killer. You know, not you know you need better pieces around him than just Matthias Janmark, and you know you're throwing in Adam Ernie and and obviously Sam Gagne and and people like that that are, are I don't know if they're full time NHLers at, at this point. So, but. You know, if you're missing a piece or two on your fourth line, that shouldn't be a huge issue for a team like this. But no. the one caveat I had coming into this year was, you know, how they lost that series to Vegas. And, um, you know, everyone, including myself, including you, Al, like picked them to be, you know, the cup champion. But no. they added one piece in the offseason. That was Connor Brown, a guy who'd missed all but a couple of games uh, due to injury. Um, 
they struggled defensively in the playoffs. All six, all seven defensemen were back. Goaltending, you know, all both those guys were back. Didn't seem like there was enough of a shakeup. Uh, that was my one concern, and you know, maybe that's proven to be a big issue uh, in the first seventeen games of the year. Daniel Nugent Bowman joining us for the hour on from the Athletic on Sports fourteen forty in the Lowdown with Low Tide. I I sometimes sit down and I'm going to write a, a, a searing article on Ken Holland and what he's doing. I just don't know who's doing what. And I, it's a little confusing because really when you hear the press conference where Holland was talking about taking the temperature of the team and then Jeff Jackson said, no, we made this move uh, without consulting anybody. Yeah. And I can see how both stories can be true. But what it tells me, if, if both stories are true, then Jeff Jackson's making the call. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week where I think you're right. I think both things can be true. Ken, Ken Holland likes to go on almost every road trip at every home game. Uh, unless there's like a GM's re- meetings or something like that. He, he's there and he's plugged in and he's going and he's talking to guys. But that could be gauging the room and, and not, you know, going to Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or any number of the, the you know, veteran leaders on the team and saying, should we fire Ken Holland? And I, I don't think that it got to that point. And so uh, I think Jeff Jackson's, you know, he's doesn't live in Edmonton, right? So no. he's not around the team, you know, half as much or nearly as much as, as Ken Holland. So I think there, there are two, two different things there. I don't think Ken Hall would have fired Jay Woodcroft. Like you go and you look at his track record uh, of being a general manager for more than a quarter century in this league, and how many coaches has he fired? Dave Tippett, yeah, one. <laughs> uh, of course, guys have left. Mike Babcock left. Uh, Dave um, Lewis's contract wasn't renewed. You know, Scotty Bowman retired, um, but he's never fired a coach until uh, Dave Tippett. You know, whatever that was, uh, eighteen months ago or or whatnot. Um, they fired Jay Woodcroft essentially after 12 games. Yeah. Um, you know, he got the 13th, but he was fired by that point. Uh, look at how many bad games there were really in that stretch. Four? I don't know. And, and there were some really bad games. The opener in Vancouver, the yep. way they blew that game in Minnesota. You know, um, you know there were a couple of really bad, yeah. Yeah, bad yeah. games. But some of those losses, it kind of goes back to what we talked about where they've been unlucky a lot too, right? So... Uh, uh, you know, goaltending and coaching go hand in hand. And um, when you have the worst save percentage in the league um, at the time, at least when Jay Woodcroft was fired, it's tough to overcome that on a shooting percentage, you know, second second worst in the league when Jay Woodcroft was fired um, at five on five, that is. And, and, you know, you can coach, you can do a lot of things to spice things up, but if the pucks aren't going in uh, for your team and the pucks are going in for the other team, there's not a whole lot of coach can do, and, and but you know, I think there were some signs that this team would have come out of it with Jay Woodcroft, or, or just as well as, as any. And I think I, I just don't see the coaching bump this time. Uh, and they're two, they're two and two under Chris Knobloch. I just don't quite see the coaching bump or where it could could have possibly come. Uh, you know, in comparison with other coaching moves, and and obviously Jay Woodcroft replacing Dave Tippett. So um, that firing uh, the firing of Jay, Jay Woodcroft really spelled. The transition of power, and I wrote about that on that day. This yeah. is now Jeff Jackson's team. Um, to Paul Coffey, you know, he's right in there now. He's on the bench. Uh, those guys are running the show. It's uh, you know, Ken Holland has months left, and his contract expires at the end of June. And I think we're just seeing him uh, play out the string here. Yeah, that's, I think that's uh, very true. Do you see? Uh, I have a media question. I'm going to ask you okay. in a minute. So prepare yourself. <laughs> uh, do you see um, when Holland exits? At some point in time, a, a de facto GM uh, coming in, or do you think that we might see some kind of a 
like the 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 tall foreheads that are here now, Jackson Coffee, uh, whomever running it as they are without without a head man per se. I think there'll be a general manager, and I think that because uh, and, and Jeff Jackson's head managerial experience, he was assistant general manager, I, I think for the Leafs, uh, you know, many many years ago before he got into the agency business, but. Again, he doesn't live here in Edmonton, and he, as far as I know, unless something's changed in the last few weeks, um, doesn't have plans to move here in the immediacy because he's got a couple kids that are in high school and wants right. them to, you know, to stay uh, situated in the Toronto area and and all that. So I, I think you need a general manager like a Ken Holland in the sense of being around the team regularly, living in Edmonton, um, and those types of things. Now, given that they've I don't know what Jeff Nax is making, but I assume a lot of money and, and he's paid to run the team. I think you'll probably get somebody kind of more younger. Everything that has um, has been uh, kind of the, the slant has been that they'll, they'll t- take on somebody a bit more analytically inclined. Right. Um, so I, I think you'll get probably a first time or, or second time general manager in this league. Somebody who's with a bit younger and more you know, with the with the trends of the league, uh, but it'll be Jeff Jackson kind of running the shots from. from so, up above. so can I tweet out uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman says that Eric Tulski of the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> will be the next general manager. Then weird things have happened. Stranger things have happened. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, somebody like that, I, so, I could, I could totally see that. But interesting. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think you'll be getting you know, the type of general manager like a, like a Ken Holland, like a Peter Shirelli, who had a lot of uh, clout, a lot of um, name recognition um, in the job for the next uh, next time somebody's hired. They've, uh, the McDavid era, you could write a book about it. You could, you might. Um, Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from The Athletic. I, it's funny how things work, but I, as soon as I saw the story about Tim Peel releasing some uh, private messages that, that he and Mark Spector had exchanged, I thought, thank God Daniel's here. Because you work very much in the industry that the Mark Spector does. Yep. And and I like I know because I watch them and I see you and I hear you ask the questions, there are there are some some moments that you're famous for for asking, you know, Good what, and bad. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want them for free or whatever it was? And and you are doing your due diligence. And, and especially now it's a sensitive time because they're just not winning a lot of games. Yeah. So when this occurs, uh, when when anybody, well, Spec is the example, but you've been in there and, and Ryan Rashog has uh, over the years. Um, how is, like, that's sort of just part of the business right you're going to have to ask an uncomfortable question and it may not land uh in the way that you want it to but you have to ask the question because it's the one that needs to be asked yeah and, and not all of them come come out perfectly i've i've had my share of duds for sure <laughs> leon dreisaitl's given me every uh uh i think he even clapped at me last time uh, for, <laughs> for a question he didn't like so we've, i've got some eye rolls and size and stuff um you know Hey, Connor McDavid a few few days ago uh, said I asked a good question. So so sometimes you ask the right question uh, or a question that comes off well or a question that's well received, and sometimes you don't. Um, you know, when it comes to to Mark, I mean, yeah, I, I, he's I know he's Connor McDavid said like, oh, he asked that question a lot. Yeah, he was trying to get at like the teams um, need to defend better, right? Like and. You know, I, I haven't talked to Mark about his, about his, the way he phrased the question. Uh, maybe he liked the question, maybe he didn't. I don't know, but uh, I think that's that's the issue. And and he and he kind of put it on on Twitter that hey, we, 
whether it's Mark in this case or I've been on a lot of road trips, like we're asking a lot of the same questions right. because they've won five times in 17 games. So <laughs> yeah. a lot of the same issues keep popping up. And, um, you know, I, I know Mark Spector has his, uh, has his fans, has his detractors here, but he's got to ask those questions. I've got to ask the questions when I'm there too. And, uh, um, you know, I thought, uh, what Tim Peel did was absolutely disgraceful. You know, you're putting out a, uh, a private message, uh, you know, clearly was, was piling on, um, to, to, to Mark in that situation. Um, but so I, you know, I thought what he did was completely unethical for one. For another thing, I don't get why Tim Peel is this person that we all, uh, need to hear from. Like, this is a guy who was kicked out of the league for, uh, you know, being on a hot mic saying that he was going to basically make up a penalty call. Uh, and then we had in the athletic, uh, at the beginning of this year, him berating young officials. <laughs> like, this is the guy that we're, we're paying attention to. I mean, think what you will about Mark Spector, pro or con. Like, he's out there doing his job and, 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 uh, doing what he's being paid to do. And I, I don't, I don't see the same thing from, from Tim Peel. So, uh, you know, uh, do we all ask great questions? No. Do they come across perfectly all the time? No. But uh, at least we're out there. We're, we're out there pitching, and uh, I don't see that from from Tim Peel. And I just don't get why this guy's given any air. The 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 th- the point I made earlier, and I think it is pertinent, is that it, and pick anybody, just anybody in media. If 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 you are employed by a media outlet and you go down to cover a story and you pull your punches on the question. You won't be there long. The idea is to get the story that people want to hear the story. They want to get the, the factual information. They want the inside stuff. That's what we do, whether it's news or sports. And so you, you can't just ask vanilla questions because you're going to write vanilla articles and people read this stuff. And so that's why you ask the question because that's kind of your job. We're also at an age where everything's, you know, put on video, live streamed and, uh, people can can kind of well see see everything almost live or yeah. or or live, and you know we we'll, it's put on social media within a few seconds, and everyone has their chance to to chime in on it, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is more of the era. You know, I'm 36. Most of my career has been in this era, but there have been a lot of of, of guys who are a bit older than me that you know the dressing room would be open. You can go talk to guys on your own, and and there's still a little bit of that. Uh, this this you know in this day and age don't get me wrong but uh we're not everything's broadcast immediate, uh, immediately and uh um you know it, it's it's just a very a different age where um it takes a lot of the nuance out of you know uh reporting out of the discussion that that's being had and and everything's uh up for clicks and and <laughs> likes unlikes and all that type of stuff so um yeah, it's 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 a weird kind of dynamic, but you do have to ask the the pertinent questions, or else what are you doing there, right? Yeah, like, exactly. uh, and you're not going to be employed for for very long. I'm not saying I'm I'm perfect at that by any means, but uh, you know, try to do our best, and it's like you know, some days are better than others, just like every every walk of life. On the way, we're going to take a break. On the way, I'm going to ask Daniel about about words that can sometimes land differently, even though they're words we've used forever. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about what the orders might do here in goal, but in other spots as well. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440, Twang Tuesday. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. 
184th Street and Stony Plain Road. You're cheating hard. All of the songs this hour chosen by Daniel Nugent Bowman, big time country music fan. I am. This is a, this is a, this is news to me and my family and friends. What kind anyway. of what kind of music do you like? Well, look at my hat. I got, I got a tragically hip hat. Nice. That's, uh, I mean, that's uh, that's band number one, two, and three for me. So uh, I've seen them in the fifteen to twenty range wow. times. Really? Yeah, 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 including twice on the yeah twice on the last tour. Oh. So um, my only regret is I never got to see them in the states. We're somewhere like somewhere kind of niche, you know, right. or, or Europe yeah. or whatever. But I, I did see them at. Uh, you know, a couple like really small cottage type places. Saw them in Bob Cajun once. Um, did did they sing Bob Cajun in Bob did. Cajun? They did. They yeah. did. They had to. It was yeah. uh, that's it was such part a great of the song. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Any like Foo Fighters are another big big band for me. Uh, any classic rock. Um, yeah, country. Maybe I don't not. Know, yeah, not not as big. Not as favorite big. hip song. <sighs> um, probably Wee Kings. Mm. But I mean, there are there are a lot. Um, yeah, you could basically put on any album. You know, that's what's, I mean, fully completely as an album is is un- album. unbelievable. Yeah. All those kind of earlier ones, but you know, if the mood strikes, you know, I could I could go with something later too. I mean, the last album was was really. Good I, too, I, I tell mean. people I love Ahead by a Century the most, yep. and people go, "Well, well come on!" I'm like, yeah. "It's a great song." Yeah, you it's know. it's an amazing song, yeah. and to hear it live with uh, Rob Baker on the acoustic is, is yeah. and Bob Cajun. We should just mention is a great song too. Sure. Um, all right, so back to the uh, task at hand, Daniel <laughs> from the Athletic. So the Edmonton Oilers right now are. Oh, let, before I do that, I I noticed something the other day. You had uh, mentioned uh, Raphael Lavoie had been sent down, and. In the in the lexicon of verbal that we all sort of share as people who write about things, demoted or sent down or loaned are all sort of interchangeable. Uh, you've mentioned demoted, and it got picked up by two or three different people. And I, I, I was going to come to your aid, and I thought, I'm going to leave it alone because then it'll die. But do you ever have words that you, you send out and you go, nobody could possibly misunderstand this, and yet it is misunderstood? It's funny, we, and we were just we were talking about this uh I didn't even realize <laughs> taking issue take an issue with this because uh to me the word demoted is you are being um sent down, as you said, to a lesser league, which is right. clearly what the AHL is. I mean, even if you think, oh, Raphael Lavois is gonna go play, you know, top line or top six minutes, get a lot more ice time, be in a position to score he's in a lesser league and he's making one tenth the salary. Yeah. So he's been demoted from Planes and uh, steak on the bus to, or on the plane rather, to, uh, um, you know, buses and, and, and yeah, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know how that could be interpreted any other way. It wasn't meant as anything, any type of slight against Raphael Lavoie, the person. It's just what happened to him in, in his career at this particular time. Yeah. And I, I th- there really are about five different words that everybody uses, and demoted is one of them. And yeah. it doesn't seem to me to be that big of an issue. Um, I look at this team and I go, you know, there are things the new coach could do and will do, I'm sure. Uh, he moved Fogel down, which was interesting, and Connor Brown is getting to play now. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think I think a goalie is, like, next up. Stuart Skinner can't play all the games, and I think he's I, – I had somebody on my blog say that they should trade Stuart Skinner. I'm like, then what? You've got no goalies. So you've got, a, you've got Skinner. Let's, you know, assume they're going to find somebody to replace him. Uh, Yura Halak could be a guy. But how difficult is it 
in the, your experience when you're talking to to people in the industry to a make a trade this time of year and b unless you know I, I don't know if Halak would sign here but it, it, unless that sort of thing happens you know making a trade right now unless there's a three goalie issue is tough yeah I mean if you're trading Stuart Skinner right now you're you're retooling for next year you know right. basically right like because no. you would have no goaltender like Jack Campbell. To me, and from what I've heard within the organization, it's like they are not going to entertain the prospect of bringing him up until he's found his game. And, you know, I don't think we're close to that point yet. So um, you can't run this team, providing they weren't getting another goaltender in a trade for Stuart Skinner. Like, you can't run this team with Olivier Rodrigue and... and, uh, and Calvin Pickard. With, right. with due respect to Calvin Pickard, who's been up here and he's played now 117 games in the league, like he's a third goalie for right. for organizations at this point. Um, so Will he get demoted eventually? I'm teasing. I would think <laughs> at some point, if Calvin Pickard's up here all year, I mean, they've they they're something playing for the has pick. gone really wrong, yeah. right? Like, and and obviously not just with with Jack Campbell, but like he can't be the guy that's going to play, say three out of every seven games like they, they need somebody who can do that and, and that's even probably putting a lot on Stuart Skinner to, pl- to ask him to play seven of ten right like yeah. he played what five and a half of ten basically last year something like that maybe six like he played 50 right so he that's, played yeah I can't do math yeah don't no, make me do we'll math just, you know <laughs> but and that and I mean Stuart Skinner struggled too right like he's yeah. had his ups and downs and this is what you can expect like this is a a sophomore like a goalie in a sophomore year who was asked to take on more of the load uh, than anyone would have thought going into last season. Like they got Jack Campbell to be a 50 plus goalie game. And by this time last year, Stuart Skinner was the unquestioned number one goaltender. Yes, he was. And you know, that's pretty early. And and this is, you know, the same thing has happened this year and different circumstances with Campbell going down and, and Skinner not playing as well, but they shouldn't be relying on Stuart Skinner at this point. I mean, he's, He's an early twenties goalie, who you know, third round pick, I believe. Like you know, yep. he had had a lot of pedigree in the in the WHL, but not to the same degree as somebody like you know Carter Hart, you know, one of his peers. Um, I I really like Stuart Skinner. I think he's going to be a good goaltender, but they need somebody to be a, at least a good backup that can again play at minimum three of ten games, and ideally even like a one B to really push him. Um, who that guy is at this point? Like, I have no idea. Like, no. uh, you wrote about it the other day, Al, about the goaltending goal and how they could they could upgrade that. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, the Oilers exploring Montreal and the and the three goaltenders there. Jake Allen would be obviously the most prominent and the most costly. I think if you're bringing in somebody like Jake Allen, you you, ha- you probably have to trade Jack Campbell. Yes. And what on earth does that trade look like? Like, how three much? First would, round picks. Yeah, how crazy. much are you giving Montreal in that trade? So. Or, or anyone else, if if you're able to offload Campbell, so I think you're probably looking at somebody million or less, and that maybe is that Yarrow Halak. No. It's maybe uh, I believe Kane Prito, Primo, excuse me, was on that that list of three that that was you know below that minimum range. But how much of an upgrade are those types of guys? I, I think you know Halak's a bit more established, but upgrade to even Calvin Pickard, yeah. right? And you need you need somebody so. They're in a in a whole whack of trouble here. Um, it's a tough trade to make. Like we're we're not even at American Thanksgiving. We're almost there. No. Uh, you know, for for avid football fans in a couple of days. But um, this is not 
the time of year where a lot of big trades happen. And if the Oilers are waiting until February or March or early March, you know, the trade deadline, it could be curtains for their season, right? So um, if we're we're at the point in a few weeks where they haven't improved, it could be it could be looking at the, unbelievably we could be looking at the other side of things where this team won't be making the playoffs. They're going to have to unload guys with um, you know manageable contracts and short to shorter terms like a Warren Fogel, like a Cody Cece, um, and they'll have to start getting the ball in, in motion for next season. It's an unbelievable. You know, thought to to consider just yeah. like we're we're at the end. We're not even at the end of November. The season started October 11th, yeah. and we're already talking about it. Is you know, it is un, like of all the things I thought we'd be talking about. You know, before Turkey Day, do you watch the football? Not a big football guy, to be honest. Yeah, okay. and now with with young kids, I don't have time to watch. How old anything. are the kids, by the way? So my kids are three and a half, and and my son will be eleven months in a couple of days. So, so you have no time. No. That's how no, the, the, no. I remember that era very well. And when one thing goes well, then the uh, do you get them both crying ever? That's the bad. Oh, that's, 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 that's a lot a, of fun. <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm not on this road trip. Obviously, here being here in studio with you. But uh, last night, I have to watch the other game on TV. There's a lot of bargaining to be able to have that game on instead of Paw Patrol or one of those well, other great pay. shows. You had to make, I'm sure, some kind of Alpha Getty or something. Yeah, I, no. it's basically I get to watch Oilers games when I'm not at the rink. And maybe something if if they're in bed. Otherwise, yeah. the TV is not yeah. mine anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, 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 you. There's, there's a certain payment that you have to yeah. make. Yeah. Um. So, w- when we talk, like I, I saw online because I thought Halak, for me, he would be a good candidate. But then you start reading. You know, uh, actually, it was Brindamore who said. You know, when they were talking to him, a quote here. Uh, this is via the Hockey News and Ryan Hinkle. He says, I think it was more on his side. It was a mutual kind of thing, but I think it's a tough spot for him to be. He realized that it's tough at the end of the road to make those decisions with family and everything. So if Carolina, Eastern Seaboard, is a, a difficult position for him to, you know, accept, not accept, and maybe he was going to go down to the minors for, to, I think, Charlotte for a little while, then it might, Edmonton might be the same problem for him, right? Like, it's not a it's not a slam dunk that the owners might want him, but that might not mean enough. Yeah, life... Uh, changes a lot for people as they get older, right? With yeah. families and um, you know, there's a lot of guys that get older and really want to play one or two places because that's where their family's situated and all that. And and the other thing, like we've been talking about, is like you know, it's one thing to okay, Yarohalak. I don't believe has the Stanley Cup. You, I mean, he got far a couple of times. So I could be wrong on that, but it's one thing to go to a team like okay, I'm going to do this for a few months, and there's a a realistic chance to win a Stanley Cup. The, right. the Oilers are not at that point right now, right? No. Like they're, you know, they should have been a few weeks ago. That's what everyone thought. But right now they're, you know, a 50-50 shot to make the playoffs by the odds makers. Uh, you know, uh, you know Dom, Dom Lachishan here at the, at the Athletic does a good job with that. I think he does. Has, yeah. I think it was 53%. Uh, and time's running out. Like, uh, you know, 17 games doesn't seem like a lot, but... You know, American Thanksgiving is this big signpost, and, and they're nowhere to be felt. Like, they're eight points out of a playoff Well, and spot. a bunch like, of teams in front of them, and, right? Like, it's not too, just a little right? bit. So, if you're, you if, so going back to your question, I mean, if you're Yarrow Halak, you're going to the most northern city in the league, a, a city that would be nowhere close to your family, on a team that isn't really in the running right now. A lot would have, have to happen to get them back in the running. Um, it's... It's a big ask, you know. So again, I don't, I don't know how they fix the goaltending situation, but whether that's incredible play from from Stuart Skinner, 
better defense around him would sure help. Um, or or bring in somebody like they have to get the situation some way uh, figured out quickly, or, or the season's over. And everything's on the table, right? Like the first round draft pick in twenty twenty four is on the table. Maybe maybe lottery protected, but. Like, I can't see them, whatever the deal they make, how possible is it that we see a massive deal? Do you think we could see, like, a f- three for three? The thing that's, that is so challenging, the thing that I find so challenging, everyone that has sizable, uh, you know, big contract, well, first of all, is making that money, but also has, has no trade or no movement pr- right. protection on their deal. So, you know, not to say, like, oh, if pick a player, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, just, just to pick a player who, who has a no movement clause, uh, if they're going to offer him a trade to, you know, Boston, uh, that that's kind of been out there a little bit, right? It has, yeah. Um, funny, I just kind of thought that, and sure <laughs> enough, that's that's been out there. But you know, hey, you're, you you uh, you want to go play for a team that's always in the running and 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 all that? There's no reason why he, he couldn't or wouldn't, you know, at least entertain that thought. But it when guys have that protection, it makes it a lot more challenging to swing deals, right? Yep. So. Um, <sighs> Then you're looking at kind of the depths. It's really, you know, it's those three. It's I mentioned CC and 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 Fogle. The other guy is Brett Kulak, who's, who's you know, yes. But you know, it's a with due respect, it's a third pair defenseman. He can move up occasionally, um, but you know, two point seven five for a, for a third pairing defenseman is and not he's got something. Two years after this, it's one. got two yeah. years after this one. CC yeah. just has one. Fogle's in a contract year, so uh, I would think CC and Fogle um, are um, are a bit more uh, of hot commodities around the league. Having said that, I mean, if the Oilers are actually trying to get back into it. CC and Fogel have maybe been two of their best five players have, this year. Like, have, no. uh, CC's been their most consistent defenseman without question. And Fogel had a very good start, has, has kind of tapered off. That's, I mean, he's a third line player. He's hmm. the, you know, the production's not always going to be there, but I think he's been one of their better players. So, yes. <laughs> um, those are the guys that probably are the easiest to move. And, and you're certainly. I shouldn't say certainly, but likely move uh, weakening your team if if you do move them. So they're in kind of a pickle here. And, and the Oilers are not in a position, you know, because they've still got to sell tickets between now and the deadline. Mm-hmm. So they're, I think they're going to see a, a like a, a pretty large. I don't know if it's going to be large, but there's going to be some movement. What's the what's the trade so far? And then we'll take a break. But what's the trade so far that you like you had to scramble the hardest from either from the fact that it was at the deadline or maybe in the summer and you were at the lake or there you're like, Oh my God. Uh, the one I had to scramble the hardest on was, uh, the Lucic for, uh, Neil trade mm-hmm. because I was still working, but like not a lot was going on. And was it COVID time then? Uh, I don't even remember. Everything's kind of a haze. No, I guess it wouldn't have been. Uh, but I was at my cottage in Ontario and had come back from doing something else and the trade had happened. So, uh, not, you know, it was the middle of July too, right? Like it wasn't, um, late June or, or, you know, first or second right after free. It was like July 19th or something like that. It was kind of middle. So that one, um, the one that kind of caught me a bit off July guard. July 19th of 2019. Ah, I did well I had the date right. I don't know. Uh, the, the one that kind of caught me off guard a little bit was was the Ekholm trade last year. He, his name had kind of been out there, and uh, but a lot of the conversation in terms of the Oilers trying to improve the defense were around other guys. Eric Carlson was was the big one. Chickering, there were a couple, yeah. yeah, there are a couple yeah. like Chickering, of course. Yeah, there are a couple other guys, and um, you know the way Ken Holland described it, is it really happened within a couple of days, right? And uh, Nashville, you know, and, and former GM David Poyle kind of decided they're out of it. We're going to move this guy. And I actually had a, had a chat with, with Barry Trotz in, in Nashville a few weeks ago and was saying, like, we want to put this guy on 
what we thought or what we think is a is a good team a, ch- a team that has a real chance to win so they were really trying to do him a favor in, nice. in terms of trying to move uh feeling like they needed to move him to kind of retool a little bit but wanting to put him in a good spot too and you know last year certainly worked out obviously this year um not so much part of that was is at home being hurt at the start of the year too that's yeah. been that's been a huge issue for this team but um yeah that trade especially with the types of players that uh, had been linked to the Oilers uh, Carlson Chick Chicker and a couple others uh where at home kind of happened very quickly and at least yeah. that's how I remember it anyway uh, Daniel's going to solve the power play next. <laughs> this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Jason Greger just around the corner. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. And we're with Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic, who's, uh, well, you're getting a lot of, you're getting a lot of reaction online, Daniel. I will oh, say that. That could be good or bad. You well, never know. It's both. Huh. So it's all good. You've, Thanks. you've, you've angered everyone <laughs> <laughs> and made everyone happy. So good job. Um, for, I, for, can I, is Johnny Cash country? Not really. He's yeah. more folky. Yeah. I would say. I would say that you could call, country music fans call him country music, but I think folk guys call him folky. And yeah, I mean, he's a little. You know, he he came out of the Sun Records, which was rockabilly. It was called. Mm-hmm. So he he's got some amazing covers. He does. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got some originals too, of course. Uh, but like Nine Inch Nails, the hurt is just yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. So you like music. You're a music guy. Yeah, I mean, as much as I, I can be. Um, I don't know. So Test if me. I were to <laughs> invade your stereo right now, what's there? Stereo. Oh, my wife made me got, get rid of that. Okay. <laughs> I do have, uh, like, piles of CDs. Okay. okay? Well, So we have records at the cottage, at our uh, family cottage, and, and at my parents' house, too. But I, like, traveling, I've I moved around a lot, so I never... G- got a record player right. but i have tons of cds and i've tapered off a bit to, to now only getting kind of bands that i really like for having the physical media right. that i can keep if something happens if, if every streaming service somehow is wiped off the face of the, the earth <laughs> um but um but yeah a lot of a lot of like hip a lot of um food fighters a lot of like canadian rock a lot of classic rock oh. um yeah, I've got some Johnny Cash uh, stuff too. So, okay. um, yeah, well rounded. Sounds like me. Sounds like it to me. Uh, so, Connor McDavid has four goals in the last four games. Scored a couple last night. Are you, like I would like to say I've noticed a change in his ability to to pass the puck because it just seems like it's bobbling a little bit. Not quite there. Four goals in four games is really good. I haven't noticed anything. Are you noticing an uptick, or is this just? The, the puck's going in a little. No, not particularly. I mean, the goals last night were both good goals, right? Like, yeah. he scores from almost the goal line on, like, you know, basically rips off Leon Dreisaitl's yeah. uh, signature goal. And the penalty shot was was a snipe. I yeah. mean, Bobrovsky gave him a lot of net. If you look at that angle that they showed behind the from behind the net, uh, McDavid came in and, and, and found, the, found the spot. But, uh, yeah, he just doesn't quite seem... Like himself still, you know, and and I know Chris Knobloch got some flack for and Jay Woodcroft and Dave Tippett and Tom McClellan and go down the list of, of putting, you know, um, McDavid and Drysaddle together. But I, I think part of that is, you know, I don't know how much McDavid can do on his own right now. I think, you know, in a perfect scenario, McDavid and Drysaddle are center, centering their own lines, and and that's how and how the team's going to be, you know, at its best and the most successful. But I think he needs a little bit of help right now, and yeah, oddly enough, you know, I don't know if how much help Drysaddle is being. He certainly had a really good game 
in All Blacks first uh, in his debut. Um, but uh, you know, those two guys. The Oilers can't win without those two guys, no, right? And you know whether McDavid's hurt or how badly or any of that type of stuff. You know nobody has to, has the answer to that, um, other than McDavid and the people around him. Um, but if they don't get more from him, it's hard to see how this team's going to make the playoffs. And that goes for Drysaddle too. Like the team relies on them so much, and you know the power play being what it has been in the last few years, especially last year, it's just nowhere near what it uh what it has been or what it should be so they're not even really outscoring the penalty kill right now it's a wash and that has not been the case yeah Yeah. that's that's troubling because the penalty kill we all know how how bad that has been generally speaking over the last few years uh the power play has been able to to punch it and it's not doing that right now like you said daniel nugent bowman joining us from the athletic on sports 1440 in the lowdown with low tide so let's talk a little bit about what's to come because you're covering a team that is obviously struggling and you know they they had won a couple of games and I I I I thought the picket stopped I think it was 92% of the shots at 5 on 5 if they can figure out the special teams but it's if if and if and I remember Daryl Sutter saying one time about uh the modern game you don't play defense you you uh, you get the puck, you secure it, you send it out the, the other way. If you're playing defense, you're usually chasing the puck, taking a penalty, or fishing the puck out of your net. The owners are doing a lot of that this yeah. year. They're not they're not as uh, and I think part of it is that the other teams are pressuring the defensemen, and it's it's um, it's not as smooth as sailing. And maybe the centers aren't coming down. I'm not I'm not um, uh, proficient in that particular area. I just know it's not working. Are are you seeing? Or are you hearing? Or are you aware of any? small or large changes by the new coaching staff and I know it's early uh in terms of how they would deploy. I mean the way what I've been told is they um like they will continue playing its own defense. The the difference is Chris Knobloch from what I've been told is as always or almost always coached his own defense so a lot more comfortable in that than say yeah. Jay Woodcroft who obviously made the made the switch this year um to more of his own <clears throat> excuse me defense than than it had been played before. Um they look really disjointed, and the the goal that really stood out to me last night was that uh, fourth goal, I believe, that I think was the winning goal, the, St- the Stenland goal. Mm-hmm. Like he had Brown, who hasn't played a lot, he's just coming back in the lineup, kind of pointing with uh, Kulak as the you, it's like a you take him, I got him type of thing. Um, Drysaddle kind of takes the one guy in the slot, then leaves the picture, assuming somebody else has got him. Um, Bouchard is the one who made the you know the the turnover to cause the rush and and kind of hustled back and then pit, like turned away and uh, and then McDavid didn't get it. like all five guys on the ice kind of played a role in that goal right and and that's happened you know, I I think a lot um, maybe not all five guys but enough of I go back to the very first game of the year uh, I think it was the second or third Canucks goal when when Besser scored off a pass like um, Bouchard is four checked, somebody else takes the puck, and then you had McDavid, um, Connor Brown, Darnell Nurse, and even Evander Kane kind of like all in the middle of Brock Besser is just standing there ready to take a pass and, and, and put a pass with Campbell's glove. So uh, a lot of indecisiveness, a lot of uncertainty I'm seeing from, from this team. Um, the others have never, at least in this, um, say, Tippett to Woodcroft era, been a particularly great defensive team mm-hmm. but they've always been able to kind of get by and and certainly the offense is, is runs the show right so they could outscore mistakes 
they're not doing that at the offensive end, and they look worse at the defensive end. So it's it's clearly uh, <laughs> not a recipe for success. I think it was the Tampa Bay game, and and as it happened, I said, you know, Evan Bouchard is is tentative, and everything he does wrong ends up in the back of the net. It's one of those times where the the he had sent the puck errantly over to the right side uh, of the uh, Tampa defense, and. He he gingerly, to use a Danny Gallivan phrase, he gingerly stepped two steps into the zone, and and that caught him. He was unable to catch the outlet winger, and he, the outlet winger ended up passing the puck over to the middle, and the puck went in the net. And and Bouchard just just those two steps, and it's it's a small mistake. It often doesn't cost you anything, but it seems like every time his instincts tell him to do something, it's wrong, and it ends up in a goal against. And fans are really mad at him, and yet I I mean. I think he's one of the truly valuable players on this team moving forward. I think so too. The issue with Bouchard um, is at times like this, the world's going to come crashing down on him because he's not the greatest defensive defenseman in the history of the world, right? right. Um, he was described to me some by somebody once as being like Larry Murphy. Okay, so he moves the puck really well has incredible offensive in- instincts. When teams possess the puck, or have a, um, he thrives. When they're not more an offensive team, he thrives. Uh, and that's when you started to see that uh, at the back half of last year. Obviously, he needs a very, I think, a very good partner. Uh, he's had that a bit in Duncan Keith. He had that last year with Matthias Ekholm. Ekholm being hurt, I think, is really hurt. Yes. This team has hurt Bouchard. Um, so when, yeah, he's not, I don't think, the most defensively aware uh, player in the world and when things go badly he's going to be the guy that that takes takes a lot of it it's they're the mistakes that fans see and and i get it because um doesn't always seem like again to be the most decisive player when he makes a mistake isn't quite a kind of recognizing trouble quickly enough to 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 stop it or to oh. uh to, to correct the issue um but when when a team is at its best he's a very valuable player because he's running the power play he's moving the puck he's got you saw late last week um the game that came back and Kane had the hat trick that fake shot walk past the Kane for the no. I think the tying goal or maybe the one beautiful, before beautiful pass yeah incredible play so that's where he's at his best right when you're getting him to defend a lot you're asking for trouble and and um he's been put in a bad spot right now uh part of it is his own doing too um but he's the type of player that when this team is, is at its best, he can be a very valuable piece, like you said. So final question for you. Uh, I love your writing. I, I've told you that every time I, I talk to you. But but how much can you, um, like, we could get to the summer and you could plan on a story and then Leon may say, I, I'm going to wait a year to sign and that might be the big story. How is it possible to anticipate, especially the volatility of this market and the fact that the orders are really once again at a crossroads with a new manager how how easy is it for you to read the tea leaves and maybe come up with story ideas or do you just wait because the explosions are going to be so loud i.e this summer well just to backtrack a little bit you can have the best laid plans in the world (laughs) and the team can start you know 5 11 and 1 or whatever they are right now and a lot of those like more positive stories just kind of uh, maybe have gone to the graveyard. I don't know. Maybe they can be revived. We'll see if some zombies appear and they can they can pop back up. But um, yeah, in terms of next summer, it's going to be really interesting because I mean, Drysital. This is the first the summer that uh, he's eligible to sign a, an extension. 
a lot of things change for this organization if July 1st comes and he's signed and, you know, um, and, and we're away we go. you got to think if he's signing, McDavid is signing, stranger things have happened. But th- I think that would be a really good indication. If he doesn't sign, I mean, it, this is kind of that two to three year window where you're saying, okay, this like maybe you're just throwing all your chips in and, and seeing where everything goes from there. I mean, the what's intriguing to me about this team and, and everyone talks about McDavid and dry settle and they're so important and how they, if and how they get signed and all that. But what kind of team is this in a few years? Like people are all over Darnell nurse. He's got a long contract. Yeah. Nugent Hopkins is on the back nine of his career. He's got a long contract. Zach Hyman has got a few years left. Um, Matias Ekholm got a couple. Obviously, wouldn't be kind of playing into that timeline uh, of of the next Dry Saddle McDavid contract. But we're already kind of seeing him slow down and go back to the very start. We still have Jack Campbell under contract for a little while. So this team, like that's why this window is so important because I don't know if this, even if McDavid and Dry Saddle can sign, stuff's got to happen for this team to continue even to stay level let alone try to get better so um if you're dry saddle mcdavid you know you've had a lot of success here personally you're starting to have some team success in the last couple years this year um, certainly a different pitcher but i think both are pretty loyal guys would like to see things through but you might have to look at even though they're close with guys like hyman and nugent hopkins and nurse and and those types of guys you might have to look at the tea leaves and say hmm I don't know if this is the best place for me, and I know people will hate to hear that, but no, it's, it's, it's a factor. It's, it's a it's a realistic uh, no. kind of outline or timeline here. Daniel, I enjoy this very much. Yeah, it's we'll great have to do it again before next November. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're very welcome. All right, Jason Greger on the way. Thanks for tuning into the lowdown. It's time for a sports update.